All right, we are recording. So it is my pleasure to uh, have our next guest be the one and only Janem Arkan. Um, Janem, can you introduce yourself for everybody? Sure. Uh, my name is Janem Arkan, uh, as Nate said. And I uh, am the managing director of Endeavor Northwest Arkansas. And I've been doing this for about, well, we're going to hit two years in March since I've been on board. Uh, which so quickly. Congrats. And I think your Endeavor story is really unique. I don't know anybody who has had a story like yours. And so uh, I'll ask when and where did you first hear of Endeavor or work at Endeavor? Yes. So I was, I worked, I spent my career in, at, in finance. I was an investment banker and then I moved into Goldman, Goldman Sachs in the sales and trading division in the mortgage department. And after, and I lived through 2008 and nine and 10, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very intense time. Uh, and I had the very good fortune to apply to a program that enabled Goldman Sachs employees after a certain amount of time at the organization and with certain reviews and et cetera, things like that, to apply to become a fellow at a nonprofit. I think they picked three or four of us that year to do that. And all the others went to different organizations and I had picked Endeavor. So I was lucky enough to spend a year at Endeavor in 2010. I had interviewed with, uh, I believe even Alan at the time as a fellow and uh, Linda. Um, and he even met Fernando Fabre, the old president of Endeavor back then too. So I spent a year of my career at Goldman Sachs at Endeavor as a Goldman Sachs fellow uh, working in helping sort of start the mentor capital program, which seems so long ago because it's now so well identified and has such an interesting and thoughtful process. Uh, but that's what I did. That is just so crazy. I feel like, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, we have people who have worked at Endeavor for 15 years. We have people who have like joined as an MD after being an Endeavor entrepreneur. I don't know how many people worked at Endeavor left Endeavor, did their career like for a decade and then rejoined Endeavor, this time as a managing director. Um, and so I'm really curious if you could like fill in for the audience, how the heck did you end up launching the Northwest Arkansas? <laughs> it's a great question. Okay. So one, when I was in Endeavor in 2010, first of all, there's some really wonderful senior people at the organization that are still there. And I worked in the global office. I worked in New York. We had no San Francisco office. Um, Joanna Harries and Alan Taylor and Linda uh, and Allie and, you know, several other people that actually have since then departed, but were, were there when I joined back Endeavor two years ago. Um, but, you know, the thought was we were never going to have U.S. offices back then. And I think through a lot of introspection and uh, really uh, valuable data, we realized that there were underserved economies in the U.S. and that they were worth opening up Endeavor offices for. And so, you know, I left Goldman. I met a man from Arkansas. We got married, moved to Arkansas. It felt crazy to me, but I kept my New York connection and worked for a hedge fund in New York after Goldman. But in the interim, kept, in, kept tabs, kept in touch with Joanna occasionally, you know, I think uh, Facebooked Alan or, or LinkedIn Alan and uh, followed up on all the things that Linda was doing. And so when I realized this was happening and I realized that at some point working for a New York hedge fund with two little kids was going to be unsustainable, <laughs> um, I reached out to Linda and Fernanda Fabre and Joanna and said, what's going on? Would you guys ever open up an Arkansas office? Not necessarily thinking that it would be me, but thinking that I would love to have Endeavor in Arkansas, mostly because 
I drank the Endeavor Kool-Aid heavily in 2010 and really thought about and thought what the process of it and the, you know, the results of Endeavor were meaningful and impactful. And I, I really wanted that in the place I was living. Uh, and it took a while because Arkansas is a smaller market. I would argue among, if not the smallest market that we have in the entire portfolio, because it's not a country model. Um, and it's probably one of the smallest regions in the US from a density perspective. So Fernando, Joanna and a bunch of folks did some work, Pete, um, and uh, they realized that there was a lot of momentum here, that even if we were maybe a little bit early in opening up the office, that they saw the writing on the wall, which is what I saw. Uh, and, uh, and then eventually sort of as, as the office was funded and, and the, the, you know, the board started coming together with sort of Joanna's hard work, I sort of realized, wow, like this could be something I could do. And, you know, it ended up all coming together in this perfect moment. Um, and I was so honored that they thought that I should, you know, start the, start the office here. Which is just an, an awesome story. And there are a couple of things that I think are important to highlight. One is it just demonstrates that if you join a cult that you can like <laughs> for a decade, you know, usually people like leave after a while, but somehow that Kool-Aid was just as strong 10 years later, which is incredible. And it's amazing that like now on Twitter, all the VCs are like, I'm teaching San Francisco. It's the, you know, Miami or it's Austin or it's these underserved markets. I'm like, yawn, come on, we've already done this. Yeah, I never did this 10 years ago. <laughs> so just to dig a little bit deeper, deeper. So was it, um, did you identify the need for Endeavor in Arkansas? And then you were like, okay, we could, we could use it here. Let's go do this. Or was it like, I still love Endeavor so much. I am going to go find the entrepreneurs that will validate the reason for Endeavor being here. You're not going to like my answer because I'm going to say both. Um, but part of it was that there were and are continuing to be a ton of resources locally invested in entrepreneurship. And I think about, you know, if you think about the reports that were done. So Rhett Morris was uh, who recently uh, is no longer at Endeavor, but was there when I was there and was doing research on this, you know, all the work that was done around Silicon Valley. And when we look at, you know, Nairobi, for example, all his research, it pointed to Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas specifically, being that sort of environment. But, you know, early, early in that process, all the focus for entrepreneurship, people understanding about paying it forward, you know, the desire to sort of replicate what Sam Walton did, because he's the ultimate, you know, entrepreneur, certainly for the region, but really as the Fortune 500 company in the United States for the, for the United States. Um, and so I saw that, and then it was a function of, okay, I've spent all this time in Arkansas and I have incredible network here, but I still work in New York. So how do I go out and validate the thesis that these companies exist, that are endeavor level, that you know, are gonna make a big transformational impact? So it sort of happened at the same time. And I was lucky to have a lot of amazing resources at Endeavor helping me do that before I even officially started as MD, um, which you know, they did all the hard work really. I just sort of, I was able to tag along, but, um, but the, you know, the writing is on the wall. There is gonna be a huge shift in Northwest Arkansas in terms of inspiration and capital and companies that are making a big impact uh, because people here are building it to do so. That's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and the, the kind of like my next question is, I think you're in a very unique position to talk about like Endeavor now and then um, and so I'm curious if you could give us like a, a paint a picture 
what search and selection was like when you worked at Endeavor um, as a Goldman Sachs fellow and then how it's changed to now? Um, this is a fantastic question because, and I want to I stick not just the search and selection, but really all the processes. First of all, I think Endeavor still has the startup vibe 23 years later. Um, and it certainly did in year 10 when I was there or how long ago was that? Yeah, I guess year 11 when I was at Endeavor. Um, and everything that has happened has been an incredible maturation of, of processes and services. And I see that in, in the way we operate today. So I, I knew Endeavor when Salesforce was the clunkiest or you know Salesforce wasn't even Salesforce really at that point. The, the, the tools that we were using, uh, the way we communicated each other with each other's offices, not only has changed for Endeavor as an organization, but obviously just for the world, right? The way technology has shifted since 2010. Um, but it has changed so drastically. And I don't say that to you know demean what was happening in 2010, but just really to, to say like how fast the change has been. And if you're somebody sitting in Endeavor as a new employee you know, in 2021, I guarantee you Endeavor 2030 is gonna look even more wildly different. The rate of change has, has been phenomenal. Um, and search and section was the hard work and sweat and tears of some fantastic individuals who would pull all-nighters, reading profiles and working with, uh, with local offices to standardize and make this fantastic uniform product to give to our panelists. And that's all still happening. But now you guys have moved it online and you've made it, you know, uh, amenable, you know, editable by multiple resources and you've created processes around due dates and how to submit and when to submit. And it was not like that back then. So when, when you started the, um, the MD onboarding, was it like, okay, look guys, I already know what's happening here. <laughs> or was it like, whoa, 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 processes? Like one particular jumped out at you when you had that first like reintroduction to Endeavor. There were certain things where I was like, once Endeavor, always Endeavor, right? Like the, I've been, I've been to five ISPs in person, even though I joined and then the pandemic started. So I think we only had two, maybe three from my official date to when, you know, when, when things shut down, but, uh, but I've been to, you know, five before that, because I just, I'd been there as a, as a employee of Endeavor Global. I'd been there as an observer. I went to the Brooklyn ISP, uh, I forget how long, maybe six or five or six years ago. So I, I really knew the process there, but there was no such thing as Endeavor Open. I mean, that just blew my mind. And that was something we talked about in 2010 saying, how do we provide scalable services for entrepreneurs that don't necessarily need or you know uh, are in a position to accept very intimate handholding, right? You know, one-on-one, -on -one, lots of uh, touch points. How do we give them a platform where they can do a lot of the work themselves? That was a pipe dream and you guys have made it a reality. And it was, it was just oh. a moment for me. So we need a, we need to clarify that um, once again, there was no kind of like free work with Janem before this call. <laughs> that is a, I don't know if she means it or not, but I definitely didn't tell her, tell you to, to say that. So I'm not at all. And I, I say that I, <laughs> I'd like my check made out to, <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was really a dream. It was a twinkle in people's eye and it has now become this fantastic reality. And I know that when you look at it and where it's going to be in 10 years, it's also, it's going to transform wildly in ways maybe you don't even expect, but, uh, you know, and, and all the work that was done to put and make Salesforce a tool that is useful, not just for keeping data, but for mining and interpreting and understanding the impact that we have. So 
uh, all that has, has really become a much more, we've become a much more mature organization throughout that process. And now you have a fantastic Salesforce champion in Tyler. Uh, I do. Tyler's a Salesforce champion. I'm so excited that he's doing that. And we, we talk about Salesforce constantly in our office, believe it or not. Woohoo. Again, not sponsored. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should get, honestly, we should get like Salesforce to just pass a little bit of money. <laughs> for uh, the podcast. Yes. For the podcast with right. this incredibly vast audience that we have. Um, <laughs> the, the kind of last or second to last question is, you said that you focused a lot on access to capital um, when you started. And so you, you started, if you worked in 2010, so like right after the crash or during the crash, um, and then now, how have you seen Endeavor's approach to helping entrepreneurs raise capital? Either is it the same or is it different? Obviously Catalyst didn't exist. So honestly, just like your take on Endeavor and capital, I think would be really interesting. There was always a desire to bring smart capital to entrepreneurs. That was that was that's been a long-standing mission of Endeavor, I think. And certainly nothing new that I worked on while I was there. But what we tried to think about was how else do we leverage investors, not just as an introduction for capital, but how do we make them mentors in the more traditional sense? So how do we introduce you to an investor where the sole purpose isn't to raise capital, but it's to help you understand what the pitfalls of raising capital are? And I think that was a little unique. And that is clearly in play now. Um, and, and, you know, this doesn't even mention, there was Catalyst, again, was a twinkle in somebody's eye, probably Alan's <laughs> more than anybody else's. But I think, you know, but I think the value of Catalyst and what is brought to the organization is immeasurable. And, and that process really did start, I mean, really full scale started, I think, with, there were two other, uh, there was another woman who was there with me, who was also sort of interning at Endeavor. Uh, and then the person that we were working with was a gentleman named Quinn, for those who remember. But the three of us were sort of thinking about what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And we, I honestly didn't imagine what Catalyst would be today back then. Um, and I think it is, it is such a bigger, taken on such a you know, life of its own through a lot of people's hard work, but because it was necessary. Um, and it, it introduces its own complexities. So that goes without saying, of course. But uh, I, I think the amount of resources that, that venture capitalists and investors can now bring to our entrepreneurs is is huge. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm still waiting for SoftBank to invest a hundred billion in open, <laughs> but- um, It's any day now, one day, any day now. Any, any day now. Um, I, I'm just, I'm gonna WhatsApp Masayoshi son and, and just let him know. But it's, this has been a lot of fun. Um, and Wait, I have one more thing to add think, before we hang up, the research component. Oh, please. So Rhett Morris, when we, when I started, there was no insight. There was, again, insight did not exist, which is hard to imagine, but there was no research component. There were no research reports done. They were done internally where we analyzed things, but there was no functioning arm of Endeavor that did that too. So think, I mean, I, I want people to think about how much, how far that's come over the years, but that's all I wanted to say. There was, I don't, I'm going to screw up the, um, script the saying, but there's something about like eating an elephant one fork at a time or something like that, where, you know, the, the process is very gradual. And then all of a sudden you like, look back and you're like, whoa, this is, things have changed a yeah. lot. This is, whoa, I ate an elephant. Is that it? <laughs> never heard that before. Yeah. I think that's, that's the saying, that's the wisdom that I passed down to future generations. Whoa, I ate an elephant. Yeah. Um, so this, I'll be very honest and transparent with the audience. This we did discuss ahead of time, which was what is your favorite Endeavor value? 
And you said that this was a tough decision. So I offered that you could say what your least favorite endeavor value is. So I'm going to leave it in, in your hands. Favorite or least favorite endeavor value? The floor is yours. This is so hard. I, I, you know, entrepreneur first, go big, paid forward, one endeavor, like they fully resonate with me. And I think I live those values every day. And the only one that I struggle with, not because I don't believe it, but so I'll, I'll go with the least because I'll be, I'll be, I'll be different than all your other interviewees. <laughs> but, um, but the network of trust one is not so much my least favorite, but it's one that I think, uh, as a society at this point in time, trust and transparency and mutual respect for people is it's just a lost art. It's so hard to imagine that in our lives today and not, not purely in entrepreneurship, but really in a mm. massive geopolitical landscape, right? Yeah. And so I, I struggle with that one because how do we demonstrate that on a daily basis? How do we get people to believe that we, we are creating a network of trust? It's one that I struggle with a lot um, and how to demonstrate to people that we're implementing it the right way. And you guys have made some changes, certainly you know, in how we operate on our Salesforce systems, but I think it's gonna take a lot more than that. It's gonna take yeah. a lot more thought and communication. So that's the one I struggle with. And I think that, and that honestly makes it all the more important. Um both for Endeavor and for what Endeavor can mean to the world. Um, this was a ton of fun. Thank you so, so much. And I am looking forward to, uh, to seeing all of the views and all of the follow-up questions based off this. This was awesome.